0: Hi everyone, David Cryer from Cryer Malt here, proud to be involved with Brews News. I'm here at the Independent Brewers Conference in Adelaide, looking forward to a great show. I'll leave you with uh, the guys at Brews News.
1: Local malt for local people, isn't it, David?
0: Correct, always local. And great malt.
2: And thanks to Cryer Malt, local malt for local beer. This is Radio Brews News. My name's Pete Mitchum, and uh, I'm also known as Professor Pilsner. And with me, I have a very special guest. Well, he's not really a special guest anymore. I think after three or four episodes, I can uh, safely call him my co-host, James Atkinson.
1: Oh, what a big honour and uh, very big shoes to fill, but hopefully I'm doing a good job. Yeah, the big 6'7 unit
2: who's, uh, well, let's not cut it any other way. He's a tall, lanky streak of pelican shit, but a very lovely bloke. Matt Kierkegaard has not been able to make it over to Radelaide, with us because this week you do find us in uh, Radio Bruce News in the well look I've got to call it the Bintani Australia Lounge because they've been very gracious in looking after us uh, only because the Cryo Malt stand is as full as a fat lady sock
1: and it is so noisy we just literally couldn't have recorded from there so that's right Cryo Malt is such a great supplier of malt that we actually can't fit into their tent to re- record this podcast and ding 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 the sponsor bell, all those kinds of disclosure things that we have to do.
2: That's a very nice way of getting me out of it. Thanks, mate. I was just, I was just thinking I was thinking Homer Simpson then. I'm thinking, no, dig up, stupid. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking, yeah, yeah I'm going to dig faster here. Uh, well, hang on. Uh, speaking of the bell, there's the sponsor's bell you can hear in the background there. James, it's fair to say uh, that in the same way that uh, Eddie Maguire used to open the footy show with, well, what a big week it's been in football, uh, mate, what a big week it's been in independent beer
1: oh like my head's spinning a little bit just from the number of different you know big stories that there there are out there at the moment yesterday having that veil vale story um come out was very interesting because they're sort of like one of the most well-established um, craft beer brands and they've they've made some great beers and i think some people forget that you know they were as i put in the article they topped the hottest 100 a few years ago with Vale ale and they were the last beer that did top the hottest 100 before it was just Ferrell and stone and wood and ferrule and stone and wood. Um, so yeah, um, interesting to hear about the sale. Can't really do anything but just say that we're thinking of the Colin family who have much more important things to do than be running a brewery at the moment, uh, given the um, illness of one of the brothers. So best of luck to them and I hope that they get a good result and you know, someone comes in that's gonna do a good job with taking that brand to its next chapter.
2: Now, for those who aren't across the rest of the news, and uh, let's for a moment pretend that I haven't even had a chance to scratch myself, let alone open Facebook and find out the news. Between walking out of my hosting uh, commitments and coming down to meet you, I actually bumped into three brewers who asked me about the various news and I had to I had to plead ignorance. I said, mate, I haven't even opened my phone, let alone open Facebook. Uh, Kegstar Bintani.
1: Yeah, that deal broke... Yesterday, which was sort of interesting timing, like right before the official conference um, opening. So it was just it was just funny that it kind of came out um, a couple of hours before that. But and for those who
2: haven't had a chance to read the the Bruce News article, Kegstar have purchased Keg Lease, which is a, an element of Keg Services, which is an element of Bintani Australia. So Bintani is still the same. Keg Services is the same. Keg Lease has been purchased by Kegstar.
1: Yeah, and I think really all, to say, all there is to say about that is that, um, you know, Kegstar has recognised that there is a certain market segment that want to be able to do things like brand their kegs. Um, and I mean, it's just a really obvious synergy that they would have with the keg lease business and Bintani started out as an ingredients business and, and now they can go back and focus on that. So, just, I mean, it just makes sense that, um, that those... That that whole tie-up makes sense, yeah. And and look, it will create a great
2: story because the way that this has happened, the background to this, you wouldn't find in too many other industries. It really does highlight the collegiate nature, the I win and you win, we all win' kind of mentality that I think we don't see in some other in some other industries.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, it's it's interesting just because I know both the parties. Concerned fairly well, and um, interesting just to see that that uh, now they're now they're one and the same. So yeah. Now James, uh, as we said, we are here
2: at the Australian Craft Brewers Conference. Define craft. Uh,
1: honestly, I, I have to say I am so bored of that question. And I just when Universal, who is the German economist who wrote the book The Beer Monopoly, um, got up on the stage today, and the first her first slide was what is craft beer I just thought god haven't we actually moved past this like the association's not using the word anymore the deal's done it is what it is uh, I, are we really gonna have to am I really gonna have to sit through <laughs> another presentation
2: on on that topic. James I did set up that juicy lob by way of making it easy for you to then uh, you know spike to the the back court and segue into uh, an interview that you did with Dr. Universal.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Charlie Bamforth is obviously doing uh, a special event with us in Brisbane. Um, we won't, we don't have the same access to Ina, so I thought it would be good just to catch her for a few minutes and have a good chat. So I began by asking Ina Verstel, for those Radio Brews News listeners who weren't lucky enough to be there this morning, what was her key message that she wanted to tell the independent brewers in the room? Ina Verstel, thanks very much for joining us on Radio Brews News.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: Two very different presentations that we heard this morning from yourself and uh, Charlie Bamforth. What do you think delegates should have taken out of this morning?
3: That uh, beer is a very special product indeed and uh, that in the present climate and the debates over what is craft beer and what is not craft beer, the desire to maintain something that is called the Brotherhood of Brewers still rings very strongly. I think that was the message that was supposed to have come across this morning.
1: That was sort of the message more of Charlie's presentation of yours, which you tended to be emphasising that independence and ownership
3: really does matter. It does matter, not just because the um, Brewers Association has recently renamed itself Independent Brewers Association. It does matter because it's at the core of what is small, local, and, uh, and also re- relies on word-of-mouth propaganda.
1: So you think it was you know, the right decision for um, the association to go in the direction that it has?
3: Yes. To outsiders or observers like myself, it has always been obvious that ownership matters at least in philosophical terms it matters. So for me it was just a question of time before they would have to embrace it more fully. If they want to differentiate themselves from the corporate brewers and their craft beer offerings then they have to really say what makes them stick out because it is not necessarily the beers themselves, it is the people. And so by emphasizing ownership they say, yes, we are different.
1: It's a vexed issue, though, what is independence, because um, there are always going to be companies that are going to fall on one side of the line that it's slightly questionable, you know, the, the thresholds that associations use to define who can be um, a member and who can't. Mm-hmm. What's your definition of independence?
3: Um, independence, to me, means, means ownership full stop, private ownership. Now, um, there is some debate over... To what extent you are still privately owned if someone else has a stake in you and uh, and I think this is uh, a technicality really because uh, whether it's private equity or, or bankers or second mortgage lenders or whatever money people actually employ to set up a brewery, there is always going to be outside influence. The question is just to what extent can you, can you feel those demands and, and still maintain your independence.
1: So your message to the brewers and the association then is that having, you know, redefined their membership laws, they should now be pushing even harder that message of independence.
3: They have to because otherwise what's the point? I mean, why go through all the uh, the hassle of uh, uh, rewriting the statutes, having others exiting the association with some fanfari and others are not allowed to be in now because of the new statutes. So I think now that they have established who they are they really have to communicate to the consumer that independence matters.
1: You mentioned um, in your presentation some of the growth that's been achieved or the penetration of craft beer in particular markets in the US. Um, You said that it was problematic for the Australian sector to be considering getting to that same level of penetration that we've seen in Portland. Can you elaborate on why it's problematic?
3: Because it would mean that uh, you kind of uh, overhaul your whole taxation distribution etc systems that's what I mean by by problematic because it would be super challenging to get there and I'd say it's it's impossible because uh, the three-tier system although it it smacks of prohibition was actually quite conducive to the growth of craft beer in the. US and your distribution opportunities are not conducive to the growth of craft beer here
1: can you just elaborate more, though, on, on on specifically why the taxation system in Australia prevents such growth from happening, and also same with distribution as well.
3: It's not just um, the taxation uh, distribution. I think it's even more of an obstacle because it it means that you deal with two supermarket chains, and and their liquor stores. It's the choice between a rock and a hard stone, not conducive and not easy to actually negotiate your way around. Also, the on trade is, is fairly small in terms of numbers. You only have 6,000 outlets where you can actually sell alcohol. That's a bit more than, than the London has. So everybody is clamoring for those taps. So the competition is intense and not everybody is willing, not all the publicans or the retailers are willing to take on craft because they think it's a risky business because um, will the consumer want it? Because also they know what is happening in the US, where a year ago the, the saison style was growing incredibly quickly, and last year it nosedived. So how can you actually build purchasing decisions that are usually one year in advance on such a fluctuating market? So uh, taxation is, a, is another obstacle in the sense that all the styles that we in the rest of the world associate with craft are basically non-existent here because anybody who would dare brew these high alcohol beers would price him or herself out of the market because he would have to charge probably $15 for a glass now how many Australian consumers would be prepared to pay $15 for a beer because we're still talking beer at the end of the day we're not talking wine or spirits so taxation is an obstacle in the sense that it uh, prevents brewers from coming up with really interesting products and therefore they they end up in a category with the major brewers everybody's doing a five percent alcohol bare some with more flavors others with lesser flavors but still it's hard to differentiate yourself in that category from the big brewers flavor and taste wise and um, the trouble is also that the the costs that craft brewers have are much higher per hectolitre or per barrel than what the big brewers can achieve so they are always at a disadvantage cost-wise and how you want to actually grow your business on lower profits is, is going to be hard so if craft beer were to go the way of, of Portland then uh, craft brewers would really have to to bring out the the big PR bazookas and uh, and uh, say all the uh, The major brewers are really evil and consumers, you have to really make political choices and buy us, buy us, buy us, buy us. us. And I mean, that's not very friendly, is it? (laughs) That's why I say it's problematic. We don't really want to go (laughs) the full works.
1: I think that's, that's a good note to leave it on. Ina, thanks so much for joining us.
3: Thank you. Thank you for asking me, James.
1: No worries that was universal
2: yeah very interesting and um, I must admit for those who weren't here we'll just set it up by way of saying that it's fair to say Charlie Bamford professor Charlie Bamford didn't miss this morning. Um, he's an equal opportunity offender, and he managed to have a, a bit of a sideways swipe at just about everyone, um, in particular the Germans. So it was good to see that Universal uh, uh, dispelled the myth that Germans don't have a sense of humour by staying in the room, um, and giving Charlie a, a bit back as well. So it was it was really good. I thought her chat was interesting, not in that it answered any questions in particular, but it certainly posed a lot of questions.
1: It, it certainly did. Pose a lot of questions, and uh, yeah, probably a lot more questions than it answered. If I'm going to be honest, um, and I mean, Charlie's speech was just so fantastic. Like, he is such a great speaker, and I mean, I really think that he could almost be a stand-up comedian if he really wanted to just focus on that one element of his speaking. I mean, he is just a genuinely dryly funny man, um, and I thought that his speech was sort of actually posted earlier on. Equal parts inspiring, insightful, funny. Yeah, thought-provoking, you know, a bit kind of acerbic in some cases. So, yeah, it was fantastic. In us was very different, just another different perspective on the beer industry. Um, But obviously this week as well, we've just wrapped up on the judging at the Craft Beer Awards, as it's probably, I would assume, going to be known for the last year out of four. Um, Prof, you were running the stewarding at the awards. How was that?
2: Yeah, very interesting Um, and and, and look, I'm in that blessed position um, where I know what beers are going out and I can kind of hover around a table and and listen to the feedback, get a bit of a feel for what the judges are uh, are saying, being the only one in the room who knows what that particular beer is. we're going to have a chat at some point to Richard Watkins, hopefully, and catch up with him. And I know he has some very uh, interesting views on, on um, I guess, the overall quality and, and the future of the Australian craft beer industry as, as they relate to the awards. I certainly get a, anecdotally at least, feel that the overall quality has improved, but I think we do certainly face some, some challenges. We are certainly getting very good at running awards. Um, I go back to my first AIBA experience as a steward which is going back eight or nine years now and we get a little bit better every year uh, and I think particularly the uh, international judges um, that that's reflected in their in their glowing praise of the way we do it so we've just got to make sure that we um, we keep the integrity and it's up to the Brewers of course to up the quality and maintain the quality every year but certainly yeah it was a, a couple of very long days but uh, look can't say too much but uh, tomorrow night will be uh, I think a very pleasant evening when the awards are presented.
1: Yeah, and we did manage to track down uh, Richard from Bent Spoke, who's been a judge at the awards for the last four years, to ask him his thoughts on the quality of the beers this year versus previous years, as well as Jane from Two Birds and also Aaron Heery from Gage Roads. Here's what they had to say.
4: Yeah, g'day, I'm Richard Watkins, uh, Bent Spoke Brewing Company.
1: Richard, you're one of uh, a few brewers that has judged at every single craft beer awards. So that's four years on the trot. What are the trends that you've seen over that time? Has the quality improved? Yeah. Look, I think the quality is slowly improving. Um,
4: There's still some beers with significant major faults um, that don't, don't, wouldn't, it wouldn't have occurred since the beer uh, left the brewery. So you, you do wonder why, whether people aren't identifying those faults or. Um, for some other reason those faults have shown themselves. I think the biggest change this year from last year was the fact that the big breweries that were once upon a time involved in, in the beer awards um, weren't involved and, and I think that the number of beers that they first of all entered um, also bulked up You know the quality of, of the offering in the, in the competition. I think without those beers this year, whilst I still believe the standard was was high and the amount of medals that were given. It was probably going to be more than last year, even though those beers weren't in there. There were still a lot of beers on the bottom end and I think that's something that just the industry needs to really focus on and try and address.
2: Richard, is that partly because we've seen a lot of new players coming into the market uh, who, who perhaps, I guess, want to get in because it's the cool thing to do at the moment and they perhaps don't have the skill, or is it that they are genuinely keen but just perhaps don't quite have either the skills or the equipment at this stage to lift their game?
4: Yeah, look, I think it's probably a combination of all of that. I think it's, um, it's great to see so many people wanting to get into the craft beer market or the independent beer market, as we're now calling it, the indie beer market. But I still think there needs to be, you know, there needs to be a lot of support and a lot of help to people to basic flavour training and, and identifying not only faults in the beer, but the reasons behind how those faults came about. And I think that's where we struggle. I remember when I started 20 years ago, it wasn't, it was easy not easy but it, over time you picked up the faults you could easily pick up the faults but identifying how those faults came into your beer was always the harder part and, and not to and then be able to use that that knowledge and, and then create beer without those faults and I think that's where we're missing at the moment I mean it's not only me but I'm, I'm certainly one of the only brewers that are seeing this song and that is that I actually don't want to see an excise reduction in fact I would prefer to see an excise increase because what that'll do is it'll actually keep people who are only genuinely interested in, in making good quality beer entering the market and not people coming into the market that really think that they can make money from getting into our industry. And the reason for that is, is simply because the industry's still in its infancy stage and there's a lot of work that needs to be done to keep the quality at a level that the consumer will then want to try indie beer. And I don't think we're quite there yet. You know, like there's a lot of beer that's still out there in the marketplace that would turn the consumer away from indie beer. Maybe in the future, I'd love to see excise reduce once there's a better um, understanding of what it takes to to make beer that the consumer will will you know will purchase. But we're not at that stage yet, and that's you know I'm not I'm not fighting for excise relief.
2: So are you kind of coming from? Uh that point of view with the I guess the example of the wine industry way back when when all of a sudden heaps of people were encouraged to come into the industry not because they wanted to be winemakers but because they basically had a half a million dollar free hit in, in terms of their uh, excise on their sales. Is it maybe also that it's that coupled with the fact that we now don't I guess have access to the big brewers that we, that we did have? Is that where your fears are sort of uh, I guess based? Yeah it does
4: worry me I mean I'm still you know... <laughs> I understand the whole independent I understand the indie part and I understand why the, the bigger brewers are no longer here but we really probably didn't think enough about what are we losing from the bigger brewers not being involved and how are we going to go about replacing what we've lost with them and I think we as a group are going to struggle with that I think for a few years because there's a lot of knowledge and technical expertise there that really helped a lot of people. I think if you, if you canvassed most of the smaller brewers around or the indie brewers around they've all at some point had help from a bigger brewer and um, I think I'm wondering if that same help is going to be available I hope it is I know there's a lot of people who work in the bigger brewery sphere that are, you know really still supportive of the indie um, industry but I just wonder over time how that's going to how that's going to evolve and whether that same help will be around
1: Richard you've taken a bit of a contrarian view to the other two brewers that I spoke to um, about the awards just in the sense that they made the point that they weren't claiming that the beers were magnificent across the board but they were just making the point that severe diacetyl issues that were very prevalent in the first year for example have been largely not eradicated they're still there but are there, is there any quality improvements to speak of that you that, that you could talk to, or is that really not your experience from this year?
4: Oh, no, I, I, I'm, it's not all doom and gloom. As I said earlier, I think there's been more medals awarded this year. So, you know, the, the higher end or the, you know, the good end of the beers that are in it have probably lifted in quality. So instead of getting beers that were, you know, 13 out of 20 and those beers have now gone on to get 15 or 16 out of 20 and some of the bronzes from last year have now moved up into silvers and even golds potentially but I still think there's there's still a a noticeable um, number of beers that didn't medal and I just think that that, that, that number seems the same as it was last year so what I'm saying is I think the the middle road is is there's a gap formed in the middle of the quality so you've still got the num- same number of beers you know at the bottom end but some of the beers that were in the middle last year have moved up and created a, a, a more of a, a higher end of the market
1: and, and just quickly last question before we wrap up what are the biggest quality issues that are still out there? Is it just about packaging, oxidation, those types of things?
4: Yeah, look, I've always been a big believer in there's only two brewing models at work. One is you're really, really small and you have a brew pub and um, you sell beer retail and you do your time, you learn the game from that end. And then the other model is you're really super big and you can really make money selling beer wholesale. and I think I still see a lot of breweries in the market. Oh, I might add to that, that once you have one of those two models, you can do whatever you want with, a, with another model. Um, Would you be referring to any brewery in particular there? <laughs> no, not, not really, um, but you know, I, I, I just think that a lot of people you know, are tight and are a bit stressed about, about their businesses because their, their, their business model is a tough model. It's, it's hard to sell beer wholesale when your brewery's not really big and you potentially don't have the, the right equipment to be able to do it properly. And I think it's those beer brands that are really, I think, struggle a little bit. And I really love them to, to focus on more on their retail and, and getting that right and getting that going and, and then worry about expanding into wholesale.
1: Well, Richard, thanks for your time on Radio Brews News. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. Thanks, mate.
5: Hi, I'm Jane from Two Birds Brewing.
1: Jane, you've judged at the Craft Beer Awards since its inception, which was four years ago. Um, We just wrapped judging last weekend. What was your impression of how the beers have changed that you've been judging over that period of time?
5: Yeah, I've seen a really big increase in uh, the quality of the beers that, that we've been trying. A lot less uh, kind of gross faults in terms of a lot less beers that you know just didn't score very well and, and were actually showing you know downright lots of faults. And then the lows were not as low as they have been in the past. And then I believe we had a lot of high, high scores as well. So the highs were higher in that, um, yeah, a lot of just. Amazing beers with great freshness, great hop character, great adherence to style. Um, yeah, so some awesome stuff happening.
1: If we fix up a lot of the quality issues, what do you think are the areas that people overall need to be focusing on now just to take it to the next level?
5: I think still we're having some oxidation problems and so I think still a lot of it is is is. You know at those points where there is issues, I think freshness is still part of it, um, so getting on oxidation and and yeah making sure the beers that are getting out there are in the best state they can be.
1: Is that oxidation down to things that are going wrong in the brewery, do you think, or is it in in the packaging, or is it is it uh, the logistics, where is the oxidation occurring?
5: Potentially, I think the oxidation is coming from, from packaging um, and then also just maybe you know, beers hanging around longer than they should. Um, so, yeah, potentially just longer shelf lives on things that are out in trade, maybe.
1: Jane, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, hi, I'm Aaron Heery from Gage Roads Brewing Company. Aaron, you've obviously seen how the Craft Beer Awards has developed over the last four years. What was your uh, sense of the quality of beers that were in the show this year?
0: Yeah the quality of the beer at the show has just improved year on year, Um, I think it's actually uh, this year is the hardest year to judge um, of all years that I've been experienced in. Um, the easiest thing to do is to is to knock out the bad beers, um, and that in previous years was, you know, maybe 30% of the beers were coming through were not great, and so it was a really easy job to go, well, that's no good, that's no good, oh, this one's pretty good, and then you've isolated the best beers down to a, a much smaller bunch, whereas now the quality across the board is is really high, and it actually makes for a much harder judging experience, and having to uh, concentrate really quite closely on what you're doing over a long period of time. So that's, uh, it certainly made our jobs a bit harder, but uh, I think that's great. I think it's a great thing for the industry and um, and it really shows that it's on the right track.
1: What do you think are the biggest quality issues? Even though it's great the qualities improve, what were? The, what are the most common issues that you saw arising in judging? Um, they're, they're quite varied. Um,
0: I, I think a lot of the main big technical faults like your diacetals, your DMSs, um, these types of things have become quite infrequent now. People are really switched on to those and they don't enter beers that have those faults in them. What probably I see as one of the major um, uh, areas was was in balance so you know be, beer has to be balanced whether or not it's a big IPA or it's a sessionable lager beer it, it must be in balance with the um, other attributes of the beer so you know bitterness that's standing right out is too bitter that's not backed up by enough malt or maybe um, alcohol sweetness will leave a beer unbalanced and, and, and likewise and that's the same thing that we see in a lager beer an IPA or a pale ale or you know even a Hefeweiss you know so I think balance is probably the biggest area for improvement as, as opposed to some of the, the more technical faults that we used to see attenuation as well so really letting the beer dry right out and some of the beers were finishing a bit cloying maybe oxidisation um, where they set that early stage oxidisation where they start to sweeten up and that can affect the balance as well so those are probably the main sort of main sort of areas but as far as the really big technical issues go the big technical faults go I think that's that's actually been been probably the biggest foreseeable change over the four years that I've been involved. Awesome. We'll
1: let you go. Thanks, mate. Thanks.
2: All right, well, I started out by saying that it has been a big week in beer. It's certainly physically and um, mentally for yourself and myself, James. We're going back to last Friday. It's been a very long week, but there's still quite a bit to go. We're only halfway through the conference, and then we've got to back that up with the other bookend to the week, which is the Craft Beer Awards presentation uh, evening, and then we get back to our, our normal jobs, and um, we're, you know, I'm guessing Matt's going to be cracking the whip and getting us to catch up on a, a bit of downtime. Not that we've been having a holiday, but as I say, uh, it, it's... A great week for um, for the Australian independent beer scene, and for and for beer as a, a beer as a category in general. So, look, what we might do? We might just uh, wind things up now and uh, wish everyone well from Adelaide 2017, and
1: uh, see our listeners back next week. Fantastic, Prof. Uh, couldn't have said it better. Look forward to seeing you next week. I'm sorry, start again. Sorry, sorry. No, I'm not. not. I don't don't think I am. God, I had a million things, so I don't think I'm slurring. (laughs) Why is this on the tape? (laughs) And we're
2: out.